Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Broadcasting live from the Hyundai studio. Presented to you by your local Hyundai dealers. This is where Chicago goes to talk Bears. Sports Radio 670 The Score. Chicago's home for Bears fans. WSCR and HD Chicago. WBMX HD2 Chicago. Always live on the free Odyssey app. The score! Now it's time for Inside the Clubhouse, a show dedicated to the Chicago baseball fan, featuring the best Chicago baseball conversation, as well as the big MLB topics, along with the biggest names, greatest guests, and listener interaction, starring score baseball insider Bruce Levine and half of Chicago's number one sports morning show, David Haw, on Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com, and always live on on the free Odyssey app, presented by Bet Rivers Sportsbook. Good Saturday morning, Chicago. Welcome back inside the clubhouse right here on The Score and your free Odyssey app, broadcasting live from the Hyundai Score Studios. I am David Haw, along with Bruce Levine, until 11 o'clock, talking baseball. And unlike a certain team in town, Bruce, we vow not to quit and give you our full effort Whoa. until the very end. Good morning, buddy. How you doing? Whoa. Oh, David, wow. He used the Q word right off the get-go. The Q word, whoa. Good morning, Bruce, David. How are you? Good morning. How are you? What else would you wow. say? Whimper? Uh, I, would, I would, no, I would, I would differ with you, of course. Um, that's what we do. Respectfully have different opinions on a lot of things, agree on many others. But in this case, the Q for me, doesn't fit the uh, what what word would use other team was not good enough to win their division. That okay. is what, how I, I will. I, I will not say the White Sox quit, but I do think that they have been accused of being indifferent. And I can understand why people would uh, right. draw that conclusion by watching a team that came into the biggest series of the year and has lost four games since that point and have all season long, you know, been been the epitome of indifference and have looked uh, lackadaisical in doing so. Right. And an injured team, nonetheless, uh, we know that uh, that is not an excuse that anybody uses in baseball. But if you if you look at the totality of the season without having uh, the availability of Robert at uh, at least 90% as, uh, as well as Eli Jimenez at 90% for most of the year, I would say that was the most impactful part of the season for the Chicago White Sox. They've played David 
five to two games. This team was not set up to be playing close games. True, they have very good starting pitching. True, they fortified the bullpen. But this team was set up to hit home runs and to uh, dominate with good pitching. And uh, it never came to fruition. As a matter of fact, historically, if you want to go back to the All-Star game last year, in 2021, the Chicago White Sox are a 500 team since the All-Star break of 2021. And there are things that have to be fixed, changes that have to be made, and we'll get into it during this show at 312-644-6767. That's where David will pick up the phone or read your text for the next two hours about the White Sox plight and the Cubs season as a totality as well. Oh, we've got a lot to cover. We have a lot of, of things to talk about, Bruce, because of the White Sox this week uh, basically eliminating themselves with four straight losses at home. The latest, a 5-3 to three loss to the Tigers at Guaranteed Rate Field on Friday night. And the Cubs, who won their fourth in a row out in Pittsburgh against the Pirates 6-5. to five. And that was a continuation of the surge that we have seen from a Cubs team that won their 13th one-run game since the All-Star break, the most in Major League Baseball. And we have uh, the good, the bad, uh, and some of it ugly. We also have the historic, Bruce. We're going to talk about uh, what Albert Pujols did last night in Los Angeles. We're going to talk about Aaron Judge and his pursuit of uh, Roger Maris's record and what's going on with the Yankees. We have great guests, Hayden Wesneski, the rookie right-hander for the Cubs at 10 o'clock, and Elvis Andrews, the bright spot, one of the few ones on the south side, is scheduled to join us at 10.30 in the second hour of the show. Inside the clubhouse, we're coming at you today, talking all things baseball until 11 o'clock, 312-644-6767. Bruce, where do you want to start? Because let's look at the numbers. The Sox are 30-29 and 29 since July 22nd, the post-All-Star break phase of the season. The Cubs, 31-28. and 28. I never thought we'd be sitting here at the end of September and saying that. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's a reality for Chicago baseball. It has nothing to do with each other, of course. Uh, very few games uh, played um, among the two teams. But in reality, uh, you know, Cub fans do have some uh, feel-good going toward uh, 2023 after the team pitched well and got some of their injured players back. With the White Sox, it was the World Series or bust, okay? We're not talking about winning the Central Division. This was about the window of opportunity that began with the pandemic-shortened season in 2020 and has run up to this point. And the fact that not the media, not the uh, fans, not the players, but uh, ownership in the front office said, hey, this is our window to win a World Series, okay? This is what we're going to do. Uh, They built up what appeared to be one of the strongest teams in baseball over the last couple of years. And right now what you have is a team that's a couple of games over 500 and probably the most disappointing team in Major League Baseball in 2022. And now we're left to wonder what happens next. And there's a range of possibilities, Bruce, and we can talk about a lot of things that need to happen, a lot of things we'd like to see happen. I'm not sure how many of those would be realistic because the only one guy knows what will happen, and that's Jerry Reinsdorf. And I do think his loyalty 
which is something to be commended. Sometimes it can be accused he can be accused of being loyal to a fault. Um, let's let's focus on on this for for the for the moment because we'll get into some of the big picture possibilities later in the show. On the field, Bruce, how many of these players can they continue to count on who are consistently injured? Because you're right about citing the injuries, and that's not an excuse as much as it is an explanation. It, but you start to wonder, Robert, Aloy, Grandal, Mancada, when you see these guys consistently injured, maybe even Michael Kopech is in that category, is it, a, is it foolish to continue to count on them if you know – that is, it feels inevitable that they're going to be unavailable for stretches of time. Well, the first thing uh, be- baseball executives always say is don't overreact to disappointment in one season. Okay, is, is this a, uh, a season that the White Sox just had too many injuries to deal with and uh, too little answers for it? Uh, is it time to have a big change in the organization in other words do a lot of these players uh you have to consider trading some of these guys now when you you're coming off of injuries david when you're coming off of bad seasons uh, you're not going to get what you want for if, if you're considering trading uh a mancada or a jimenez or even a tim anderson you're, you're not going to get what what is market value during a normal uh, star season for these guys. So from that perspective, uh, do, you, do you sit there and in the wintertime and say, this was a glitch. Uh, we still have what we consider a championship level club going into next year. Yes, we have to make a few changes here and there, but with any, with any luck at all and any good, uh, good health to our team, we're right back at the top uh, of the American League. Fair point, Bruce. There's a lot to digest. There's a lot to talk about. 312-644-6767. Before we get to the phone calls and before we start to pick apart uh, what is left of the White Sox season and do the baseball autopsy, if you will, and before we look at what has led to the Cubs' second-half surge and the role that David Ross has played in that, perhaps, and the uh, Hayden Wesneski immaculate inning, which was cool in Pittsburgh. Bruce, I think we need to tip our cap to Albert Pujols and look at what happened last night in Los Angeles because not only did uh, Albert Pujols become one of four major leaguers to hit 700 home runs in his career at 42 years old, the calls were cool because they were friends of the show. John Rooney for KMOX in St. Louis called it for the Cardinals uh, on their broadcast and then with Apple Plus, uh, Wayne Randazzo, a former scorehead and a former score voice now with the Mets, uh, was part of that uh, broadcast team, and this is how those calls sounded back-to-back. I think there are Cardinal fans in the ballpark that want it to happen, and there are Dodger fans in the ballpark that want it to happen. Pujols with the widespread stance, arms out over the plate. Bickford from the stretch. The 1-1 pitch. A swing, and there it goes! Left field, way back! That's home run number 700! Pujols hits a three-run homer, and he hit 699 and 700 at Dodger Stadium on September 23rd, 2022. 8.23 p.m. Pacific time. This entire ballpark is on its feet, holding its breath for Albert. Pujols sets one in the air. It's deep to Taylor's back at the wall. It's 700. Albert Pujols. 
Pujols has joined Barry Bonds, Henry Aaron, and Babe Ruth as the only players to have hit 700 home runs in the big leagues. He hit 699 and 700 in the same game in back-to-back -back innings. Thank you, KMOX. Thank you, Apple TV+. Plus. Thank you, John Rooney and Wayne Randazzo for making that historic moment seem even more special and cool. And Bruce, Albert Pujols, 700, a 13th-round draft pick, all of a sudden becomes part of baseball history. Remarkable. It really is. And, uh, you know, two great calls by two great broadcasters. Uh, you know, I had the pleasure of doing my show at ESPN for five years, my baseball show with John Rooney. And when I started at the score uh, nine and a half years ago, Wayne Randazzo was my first co-host on this show. So uh, really amazing people with amazing sound. And, uh, I, you know, in perspective, uh, you, you have to look at Pujols as, not, not, not just one of the great players of this era, but greatest players of all time. Uh, what's very, very few mentions right now about the fact that uh, on the all-time RBI list, he's only, I think, eight or nine away from uh, Babe Ruth uh, for second place on the all-time RBI list, 2,200-plus. Uh, pretty amazing. So even though people don't love RBI as a stat anymore, to me, it's always an indication of a guy that uh, helps you win baseball games. And Albert Pujols personifies that for the Cardinals and for baseball. And, Bruce, Hank Aaron is the only other player to ever have 3,000 hits and 700 home runs. So when you keep keep that kind of company, it is rare air indeed. And I think Pujols is always, I, I believe, from a – you know, we see a lot of him in Chicago, having been the rival of the Cubs for so many years, but always respectable, always re represented the, the organization and himself in a first-class manner. And that's what makes it even more special. There are no asterisks here. There are no uh, advice. There's no qualification. There's no, there are no conditions to the respect that you want to pay somebody who has done things the right way. Perspective, David. 35 home runs average over 20 years gets you to 700 wow. nothing else does that that is the perspective that you have to look at of a consistent hall of fame player and and again uh you know if he would have only had 698 the story wouldn't be any different but it's it's really cool really cool to him to hit that number especially in an era now where we're, we're dying for uh, clean stars, guys that have, haven't been associated with steroids. Yeah, there was one, uh, one thing about 12, 14 years ago about uh, Albert Pujols being associated with it. It's never proved, never brought up again. Uh, this is a guy that just works his butt off to be the best player he can be every day, and the talent is unbelievable. Bruce, the Cubs were so impressed, I think they sent another parting gift to, to him after giving him one at Wrigley Field during his last appearance. That's how uh, special of a career he has had as a rival of the Cubs. Okay, let's go to the phone lines. The score listener line is powered by BetQL. Bet smarter, beat the books. Download the BetQL app today or visit BetQL.com. That's where we find Dave is in Olympia Fields. Good morning, Dave. Welcome inside the clubhouse. Hey, good morning, guys. 
I want to talk about what the Sox should do in the offseason. They should look back to 2004, what they did. They um, traded Carlos Lee, a big right-handed hitter from Pesednik, also picking up A.J. and Carol Everett, three left-handed hitters, and Jermaine Dye and then Tadahito also. And I, my idea today is my thought is that the Sox, it makes sense to consider trading Tim Anderson. I know Bruce, you just said that, you know, he was hurt, but he's the reigning, he's the reigning all-star shortstop, you know, and he's still only 30. Tim is coming up on his last year, a $12.5 million club option. The club has to decide for a long-term extension. Who is our number one minor league prospect? Left-handed hitting shortstop Colson Montgomery, only 20 years old. He's been moved up twice already. He has some pop with 10 homers. He had his first grand slam in Birmingham the other day. And uh, what happens if they sign Tim for another four or five years? Is it going to be another Andrew Vaughn and Gavin Sheets, two natural first basemen, being forced to play the outfield because Abreu is there and still one of our better players? And look at what Cleveland did with Lindor, you know, when they couldn't afford. They traded him to the Mets, got two really good players. Jimenez is the all-star second baseman. They're both starters on the team. Correa, Houston let go because they had a, or they didn't sign him because they had a, a shortstop coming up. Colson Montgomery, I'm saying, and you know what? The answer is here. You're, you're a guy you're going to talk to. Elvis Andrews has been spectacular. Sign him for two years. Keep the hmm. shortstop position warm. Colson Montgomery at 22 may be ready to come up. What do you think, guys? And would you think the Sox should consider that? Thanks, Dave. Appreciate the phone call. Bruce, I think, and I've said, the only untouchable on this roster to me would be Dylan Cease. At the same time, if I'm making a list of guys that I'm willing to move, I don't think Tim Anderson is close to the top of that. Well, you know, uh, he brings up a lot of good points. Uh, he does. You know, again, again, um, you know, if you have a good young shortstop coming up, that's one thing. You have an all-star starting shortstop in Tim Anderson right now. Uh, people forget also uh, the energy that he had brought to this team and the energy that wasn't quite there this year for him in a uh, professional and personal year that uh, just wasn't, you know, it, it just didn't resonate all the way through. Unfortunately, he got hurt later in the season and missed a, a lot of time. But I wouldn't underrate uh, Tim Anderson as, uh, part of the uh, the heart of the Chicago White Sox. What I would say, though, is that um, I agree with you. There's no untouchables on the Chicago White Sox. You must listen to any type of trade idea that makes sense for you for now and the future. You must be proactive and look forward and say, if 2023 isn't a season where we think the team, the players that we have right now are world championship caliber players, then we have to recalibrate. We have to look at this in a different way. We have to build upon what we have right now. And what makes the call interesting, Bruce, is that while I'm not going to clamor for the White Sox to trade Tim Anderson, I do think that the pushback begins with the idea that he offers so much in the way of intangibles, in terms of charisma and leadership when he is healthy. So, so at the same time, I, I, I find myself not wanting to make that argument because how can you – how can you make that argument about a team who has fallen so, so short because they have had you know, chemistry issues, motivation problems? They look like they don't 
care at times. They look indifferent, and those, that's the, the, the worst thing you could say about a team collectively, yeah. and I don't think you can afford to um, ignore that as you put together, you know, as you, rea- as you react to this season. Too many close games, David. This team is not built to be playing two to one, three to two ball games. Okay, I, I know you're going to say, well, you know, that's why they built their pitching staff. They have a good starting staff. They have a very good starting staff. They have a good bullpen, uh, a bullpen that's been overused dramatically because of the fact they've played too many close games. They've had to use Graveman. Uh, he'd probably come back as a left-hander next year after having thrown so, as much as he has Is this that possible? Year. Uh, has that ever happened, I, Bruce? Well, Graveman, Graveman's <laughs> a great athlete. I think he can do it. Uh, but uh, I, I, think the, the, I think, you know, the point is, is that they didn't play Chicago White Sox baseball. Chicago White Sox baseball was home run oriented. They didn't have that tool. It impacted their year. And, that, and all these other things that you talk about, they're all true, okay? But these are things that are washed away by teams who play up to their caliber of baseball. The White Sox caliber of baseball was not played up to all year long. The flaws like defense, um, base running, all those stood out dramatically more than ever because they weren't playing any comfortable games all year long. They weren't wiping We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Anyone out? How many games do you remember sitting back watching? And I know you watch all the games, if not in, in total all the highlights and, you know, read, you know, about the entire story. How many games this year of the White Sox had where they, they were just laughers? They were just, hey, they're in control of this game. Uh, you know, they're blowing them out. I, I Not enough. Think more than, I think I can't think of, of more than seven or eight all year long. I, I can't either, Bruce, and it's not a very long list at all. Let's squeeze in a phone call before we break. Paul is in Valparaiso. Our buddy talking White Sox. Good morning, Paul. Welcome inside the clubhouse. Hey, good morning, guys. Great to hear you. If you if you guys had the old uh, Murph caller of the show, Dave from Olympia Fields would be caller of the show. He had some uh, some great points. I think you might even add, this isn't my original point, but I think you may even add in Tim Anderson as one of your injury-prone guys. I mean, if you look at it, he hasn't played 125 games or more probably in four or five years. I know that's a pandemic-related one to one year, but uh, he made a great call. But anyways, my point was on pitching. Bruce, you keep saying they have great pitching. I think you're overlooking a little bit that Cease and Cueto have really covered up for Giolito being average to bad. Lance Lynn, I know, being hurt, but going on 36. Uh, Cueto, I mean, again, can he produce this a- again? And then Kopech, injury-prone and, you know, average. I wouldn't say great. He was he had some great moments, but 
So yeah. you're looking at always talking about the Cubs spending money. Are the Sox going to be able to spend money on pitching? Because I don't think it moving forward is as good as we think it is. And also, as far as the Sox window possibly closing, I don't think people realized Cleveland was going to be this good this quick. And part of it is, like the last caller said, they got those guys for, for um, the short for Lindor, and those guys have been huge parts of it. So Cleveland kind of closed that gap. I think they thought, thought was Sox were going to be the best team by far for five years. Cleveland, youngest roster in baseball, pitching, and they know how to play. That's well, a great and, point, and, Bruce. Yeah, and, and, and you're, you're right about that, uh, Paul, because uh, the thing about Cleveland now is that not only are they good and they're young, but they're also controllable for the next three or four years. All those contracts, uh, this side of maybe Bieber, are all controllable uh, for four, five, six years, all young guys. Uh, and and uh, the, the mix is a good one. I'm not saying they're all going to be superstars, but they all, as we have found out watching uh, Cleveland this year, they're all ball players. They all do some things well. They all run. They hit and run. Uh, there's a mix of left-handed and right-handed hitters. Uh, they're not the star quality players that the White Sox have, but as a team, they play baseball. He, Paul brought up a good point and question about how much the White Sox will spend this offseason. There's only one man who knows how much they are able to spend this offseason. And I'm curious, Bruce, to tap into your insight about how Jerry Reinsdorf will react to what has been a very disappointing season on the south side. We will talk about that when we come back. Inside the clubhouse, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. We're back with more Inside the Clubhouse with Bruce Levine and David Haw on Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com and always live on the free Odyssey app presented by Bet Rivers Sportsbook. I think almost you have to go back to the basics and the basics and Cleveland kind of shows you that. I'm not saying that you you build a team that's completely like the Guardians because that team, I'm not sure that they knew that that team was going to be as it is now. Terry Francona, who's a very good manager, he understood in spring training they weren't going to hit a lot of home runs, and he understood how this team had to play to get there. Didn't know if they could, but as we saw the end result, I mean, that's a team that that is very fast. They go from first to third better than anybody in baseball. The Sox go from first to second on the same hits, hits that the uh, that the Guardians go from first to third. I, I think it was it was summed up as far as base running concerned. Welcome back inside the clubhouse, Chicago Sports Radio six seven. The score. David Hall, Bruce Levine, until 11 o'clock, talking baseball. That was Steve Stone on with Bernstein and Holmes on Friday, talking about the differences between the Guardians and the White Sox this year. And they have been obvious in the standings and obvious to anybody watching who understands baseball, Bruce. These are two teams headed in opposite directions. And and I, I think everybody knows what has been the result of that. The Guardians are getting ready to to go into the postseason. The White Sox are picking up the pieces. My question is this. What is the way that you expect Jerry Reinsdorf to respond to this? You have, you know, better insight into Jerry than a lot of people. You have known him for longer and you know him better. I think that it's hard to imagine him wanting to make a change in the front office, even though we might clamor for one, even though one might be necessary. I think that there are a lot of different ways this could go, Bruce. But knowing Jerry Reinsdorf the way that you do, what do you expect? Well, you know, I don't expect him to necessarily put the team up for sale, but I wouldn't put it uh, out of uh, 
I, I wouldn't put it out of the possibility down the road here. Jerry, outside of his family and his dear friends, Jerry doesn't. Jerry loves baseball more than anything. Okay, he loves being a part of it. He loves game day. He loves uh, watching his front office put teams together. He loves being a part of that decision making when it comes to uh, money. Uh, in this in this realm of the White Sox, he w- was a part of decision making, bringing in the manager, being Tony Larusa this time around. Uh, he this keeps him going. Uh, he's got all the money that he'll ever want in the world. Uh, all you know, all the other great things with the championships with the Bulls and the Bulls being probably one of the uh, most expensive and uh, you know uh, highly uh, highly touted. Uh, sports teams in in all of sports. So from from that perspective, uh, the only thing that makes me hesitate saying that Jerry will sell the team is the fact of his love for the game itself and love loving being around it. It really keeps him going. That said, uh, when the team is uh, when Jerry steps down or he passes away, it's automatic that the Chicago White Sox will be sold, not with the, the same with the Chicago Bulls. The Bulls will continue on with the uh, Reinsdorf's running the franchise. Uh, the White Sox will be sold automatically. That's a part of uh, what he has laid out for the future. Okay, so he's a businessman, and he's not getting a return on his investment, Bruce. And when you look at it objectively, as I think that he needs to look at this, you have to look at a franchise that not only disappointed you this year, this year the label applies. They're the most underachieving team in baseball. There's no question about that. This is a 95-win roster, and they're eight games out of first place in in, uh, in late this September. And every Sox fan is like that Green Day song, Wake Me When September Ends. It's been awful. But, Bruce, they haven't won a playoff series since the last time – um, since they, the last time that happened, they, they had a parade. It was a long time ago, 2005. This is not just a one-year deal. This has been a steady decline, and I wonder if that is enough impetus to force some sort of change in the way that this is viewed. It's some sort of come off that loyalty a little bit. The front office might be in need of a shakeup if anybody recognizes the need for a shakeup, but I, I don't know if that's realistic and I think that has to come first. Putting this team up for sale, that, I mean, I understand where that would head, but that would lead to upheaval. I want a more immediate reaction that would affect maybe a team that, that still could get things together and compete or contend next year. Well, will you agree with me that the White Sox still have a more talented roster than the Cleveland Guardians? I think that's a realistic, logical argument i think you could make that yes when healthy this white Sox roster is still more talented than the guardians now i'm not saying they're they're a better team i'm not not saying that they are obviously have not been a better team than the guardians this year uh and they haven't lived up to being the team that they want to be so that that's where you you pause and you say okay is it realistic to think jimenez is going to hit 40 home runs next year Maybe, or, or maybe you say health-wise, you know, he, he, he's never going to play 100 games. Okay, is it realistic to think that Robert will be in the MVP conversations next year uh, with his talent in center field? Will it be realistic to say Tim Anderson is still at age 30 an all-star shortstop? Will it be realistic to say that 
um, that Abreu uh, will or will not be with the Chicago White Sox is still a very good major league player, if not the player he had been in the past. Um, I, I think a lot of these things have to be answered in the offseason here. Abreu is a free agent. It's pretty much going out of, under the radar that um, he might be playing and very realistically might be playing his last days as a Chicago White Sox player, knowing that he has been uh, one of the best signs and best Chicago White Sox players in history. Bruce, those are great questions, but they're very specific questions about players on the roster. And I think that before you can answer them, number one, you got to know who's going to be asking them. Who's going to be finding the right. solutions to those problems? So you step back and you look at a big picture thing. It's not necessarily all the specific player questions, but I think as an organization, what are your standards and where have they fallen to? You look around your division. The Tigers, they, re, they have an overhaul in their front office. Al- Alvila's out. Scott Harris is in. The, the Royals. They fire a guy who's been on the job for 16 years, won back-to-back pennants, won a World Series seven years ago, Dayton Moore out. I just wonder if the White Sox are capable of taking uh, an approach that they need to take, removing their heart, looking at it with their head, and doing the right thing. I don't know if big picture they're capable of doing that. Well, the right thing isn't necessarily what you and I say. It's only our opinion. And, uh, you know, it's based on watching an awful lot of this team and uh, and putting our finger on the pulse. Uh, that said, uh, I don't know if people are saying uh, uh, Kenny Williams and Rick Hahn should be fired now because of the uh, failure of the 2022 White Sox. I, I'm, I'm not sure. I'm not sure we're at that point, but there are a lot of people who are, are clamoring they want Tony gone. Tony won't be back. Okay, that that that's just the way it is. He won't be back as the manager. Uh, you're saying that, or you're has, saying has people anyone, are suggesting has that? Has anyone told me that? Has anyone told me that? No. Okay. I'm saying that from from the optics of everything that we've seen this year, Tony Larusa will not be back as the manager of the Chicago White Sox next year. Okay. Is that a big enough that change? In, there. Is that a big enough change in your okay. mind well, I'll, to? I'll, I'll, I'll ask you. Yeah, I mean, that's a fair question, David. Um, I'll ask you what Jerry Reinsdorf always asks his front office in basketball mm-hmm. and baseball. Okay, Tony's not back. Who do you want to manage this team? Who's going to be better? Okay, that's the, that's the question you're going to have to answer immediately. Tony's not back after this year. And again, I'm the only one surmising that he won't be back at this point. Other people might conjecture the same thing, but... Uh, I, I just don't think that uh, he is going to want to come back. I don't, I don't know if they want to bring him back. Uh, th- those are the things that I'm looking at and saying the optics don't, they don't match it here with him coming back. My you, point you, is, who okay. is, who who is your next A.J. Hinch, who they were going to pick if it wasn't Tony? Uh, who Who is that next great manager who... Uh, uh, you know, the two managers they, they would have wanted were Cora and Hinch. They both have last place teams right now. Okay, you've got Who, choices. You've guy? got options. You've got Joe Girardi. You've got Joe Madden. You've got um, Chris Getz. You've got um, other uh, – you got Miguel Cairo would get a, get a look. You've got a guy 
that uh, is, is in a TV booth that has won a World Series in your uniform. Ozzie Guillen would have to be considered. No doubt about that. I just named five off the top of my head, Bruce, that would be, to me, better options than the one you currently have. And, and I, I guess I'm asking the question, though, reinforcing the idea, is that enough? Is that enough change with the White Sox to, to think that you could come back next year and contend again I, and, and surpass the Guardians? AJ? I will tell you. Yeah, AJ's a, another good name. I would tell you that if Ozzie Guillen came in <clears throat> to this team, he would suggest to Kenny Williams and to Rick Hahn the exact same thing he did suggest when Kenny asked him after 2004, <clears throat> and what, what, what do we need to do here? And he suggested that they need to get more athletic. They need to get more speed. They need to get more contact players uh, to uh, go. They need to get a guy that can walk once. Uh, the, the embarrassing uh, at-bats that these guys have without uh, working counts, without ever uh, getting on base to, uh, to move the line forward. Uh, there, there's something that's not healthy about that lineup right now, okay? And it stands out when you don't hit home runs. If they would have hit uh, another 100 home runs like they – like everybody expected, we wouldn't be having this conversation right now. Fair enough. And I think that, again, it's like you need a change in your approach on the field at your major league level. I wonder if you need a change in the overall approach organizationally. Uh, that, that requires some massive changes that I'm not sure they are capable of. But I think the conversation is an ongoing one, and your insight in – and projections are very, very interesting indeed, Bruce. Let's squeeze in a quick caller on the uh, score listener line, powered by BetQL. Let's go out to who we have here, Sean. Let's go to Mike Northbrook. Mike, welcome to Inside the Clubhouse. Yeah, I'm glad, I'm glad I got on. I, I, the differences between the Sox and the Indians, okay? This, Guardians. I, I'm the looking, Guardians, Mike. The Guardians, I'm sorry. I'm looking at it right now, and they showed it on the, on the pregame yesterday, a graphic, which I took a picture of, Okay. The White Sox only have two players who have played in, of, the, of their top seven key players who played more than 100 games this year. The Guardians have seven who have played more than 114. It's astounding. I mean, only uh, Jimenez has only played 75 games. Anderson, 79. Moncada, 90, 94. Robert, 97. Only Vaughn at 125 and Abreu at 148 have played over 100 games. And the Indians have the whole team's played over 115 games. There's They're the Guardians, Mike. Difference. Thanks. They're the Guardians, Mike. Thanks for the phone call. Bruce, health is have been better in Cleveland than in Chicago. Do you think that's a valid excuse or reason? Uh, it's it's a reason. I don't think you may use it as an excuse because when you build a, a ball club, David, you build it with for with depth in mind. Okay, and uh, the White Sox, you know, Tony Larusa, with all due respect to some of those players who tried as hard to be as good as they can throughout the season. Tony La Russa was starting lineups with three or four bench players almost all year long, every day. Okay. You're not going to, you're not going to win a lot of, uh, of championships when you have a uh, bench guys starting and playing as many games as your regulars. So, uh, you know, with all due respect, you know, these guys, you know, their, their best left-handed hitter, their, their most powerful left-handed hitter was sent back to the minor leagues at one point this year. And, and that's your, that's your right fielder. So 
there, there, there is a disconnect as far as the balance on this team of uh, the left-handed hitting, you know, because of the Grandal, Grandal injury and failure this year, uh, which was unbelievable. Uh, they had no left-handed hitting uh, because of Moncada's bad season and injury. They had no left-handed hitting. Uh, you cannot win in Major League Baseball. I don't care how great your players are without balance in your lineup. And they they desperately need uh, left-handed hitting and balance. Steve Stone has been talking about it for the last couple of years. So have I. It's easy for us to sit back and say so because they did have uh, all-star players at a lot of positions and guys that should have had better seasons. But uh, in reality, when push comes to shove and you're trying to win, you, you have to have more balance in your lineup. The White Sox don't have that. Meanwhile, the other team in town is a game better since the All-Star break. How are the Cubs doing this? We'll look at that next inside the clubhouse. Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. We're back with more Inside the Clubhouse with Bruce Levine and David Haw. There are some, there are some reasons to be optimistic, for sure, um, if the Cubs go out and spend some money. Welcome back inside the clubhouse, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. David Hall, Bruce Levine, till 11 o'clock. That was Ron Coomer on the Mullen Hall Show on Friday, Bruce, talking about the optimism that is obvious when you're watching the Cubs. And that was even before the Cubs won their 13th one-run game since the All-Star break, the most in the majors. When you look at this young pitching, Bruce, we're going to talk to one of those men at 10 o'clock, Hayden Wisniewski, and you look at the way they're playing, there is a lot of reasons for optimism, as Ron Coomer said, better than 2014, Bruce. You you have done some examination, some comparison there. How does this surge compare to what happened in 2014? It's the same but different. Uh, playing great second half baseball in 2014, the Cubs uh, were right there at around 500. Uh, they had brought Ricky Renteria in to help with the Castro and with uh, with. Um, Rizzo, who were both coming off of uh, bad seasons the year before, uh, things started to move in the right direction. Uh, again, they finished close to 500. They fired Ricky. They hired uh, Joe Madden. They went out and spent $155 million on on uh, John Lester, and uh, the rest is baseball history, Chicago Cub history, world championship, a uh, nice five-year run where the team was uh, in the playoffs uh, five out of six years. Uh, you know, great, great period of time for Chicago Cub history. I, I think it's comparable, but in a different way, David. The different way is this time around, you have to look at the young pitching. And is that the thing that's going to drive uh, this vehicle, this rebuild of the Chicago Cubs? And will uh, a signing of a Trey Turner to play shortstop for $300 million be that John Lester type of signing. In other words, will it be position players that you plug in here rather than multiple amounts of um, veteran pitchers this time around on this rebuild? Interesting question, and I think it also underscores how 15 of the Cubs' top 30 prospects are pitchers. 16 of the 20 players they drafted in June were pitchers. And when you look at... What happened last night, Assad, and the night before with Wesneski and Eric Ullman gets his first major league save and puts the ball in his pocket last night. And you see all the quality and depth of the young arms, Justin Steele, Keegan Thompson, 
even Alzali coming back, I think, is it allows him to compartmentalize this injury into this season. Brandon Hughes, another guy who has come a long way. I just named several guys who I don't know what role they will play on the next great Cub team or the next good Cub team or the next Cub playoff team. But, Bruce, you're right. The emphasis on pitching makes you feel like something's going to pay off sooner rather than later. Well, we saw it with Steele and Thompson. I think they're legit. You, you have to see uh, young pitchers pitch a couple years in a row before you're able to say, hey, uh, this guy is a major leaguer. I think we saw both Steele and Thompson not only uh, pitch like, but feel like and look like major league pitchers this year, okay? That, that transition came from them from 2021 until this season. Uh, with these other guys, they're just young guys with good arms right now, okay? Getting the opportunity to pitch in September. Don't go off in September very much, but you do, you do see that there's talented young arms that can be developed. I don't think we jump I don't think we jump way, way too far into the idea uh, that uh, these are all parts of a championship caliber um, rotation. What it, what it looks like to me, David, is uh, just an organization, as you pointed out, concentrating hard on pitching, concentrating hard on the pitching labs, concentrating hard on instruction and development. Uh, that is what they're doing with their pitching. And then the rest can be plugged in. Uh, there are some really fine young players coming in their system, outfield, shortstop, everything else. But in reality, uh, uh, this is about pitching going forward for the Cubs right now. And let's face it, this has been about fun. And it has been fun to see guys like Esteban Quiroz, the 30-year-old, five foot six infielder, made his major league debut this week at the age of 30 after toiling in the Mexican leagues. This is the kind of thing you can do when you're out of the pennant race, but these are the kind of memories that you make along the way that are fun to celebrate and certainly more fun to watch when you're winning more than you're losing, which is what the Cubs have done lately. And they've done that lately because of our next guest. Hayden Wesneski will join us when we come back inside the clubhouse, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one... They're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. 